Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had Hello, welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 275. Nancy Futures up 375. Everything was down last night, but we're back up this morning as uh, people decided they made, they woke up. When you wake up, it's a good day, so they decided to buy. So we're up a little bit anyway. Do we have Mr. Greg Pappas with us? Speaking. I understand yeah. that you uh, you had four big winners this weekend. Is that true? I <laughs> uh, lost one, too, so four and well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of, kind of guy you are. Uh, what did you make of the games real quick? So, actually, uh, I was fortunate to go on Friday uh, to the United Center. Really? Actually, and, and yesterday, too. I had uh, been begging my friend Stephen, who works for Hershey and has corporate seats, um, if anybody cancels on you, you know, I want to be your first call. And sure enough, you know, someone canceled on him, and one of his customers couldn't go, so I grabbed one of those tickets, and it was great. You were, uh, uh, you were, uh, Skybox? Quality games. So these were for the, uh, uh, I don't know which customers they had, but one of them canceled, so sitting, you know, down one first level, uh, seven rows up or so. Cool. Fairly close. So, yeah. Now, when you say tickets, how do, how do you get in? Um, the way I did it was I got sent a ticket electronically through Ticketmaster and then uh, showed it to them at the front. They did like a scanner thing. All right, so you, they, they send you an email, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you open the email on your phone, and, and there it is. You open the email. Uh, it gives you some kind of code or barcode type thing, and there's this little uh, Night Rider type thing going across it so they know it's not fake, and then they hit it with a scanner, and then you're in. Why do I hearken to the, to the time when you actually got a ticket? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking maybe they do NFTs in a few years. Yeah, I don't uh, This is a... Uh, I don't know. With the more advanced we get, it seems like the... Uh, I go to the Orland Park Bakery yesterday, and I know they have an issue with uh, early on when COVID was, you know, was supposed to be on every surface and everything. They somebody there got COVID, so they were shut down for a while and had to, you know, clean the place from top to bottom and all that kind of crap. So they're a little sensitive to it, but they still have the setup where you walk in and it, and somebody, you know, some young ladies a few feet away from you were a little were a little tablet. You know, what do you want? And then the people behind the counter. You, know, you can't be close to them, and then they put the stuff in the thing. And then you go to a cashier. I mean, it's it's a it's a major process. So I was talking to the guy behind me. I go, what part? Of, is there any part of this process is efficient? He goes, I don't know who designed this. So I go to the young lady, and whatever I'm buying, you know, twelve bucks worth of crap. And uh, 
I fish out a 20, and she goes, oh, you're not going to pay cash? I go, oh, yeah. That's what that 20 would be for. And, uh, oh, man, i got to go somewhere. She didn't even know which cash store there. She went off somewhere else. They have to get me change. I mean, what, do we do we do we have, are we taking stupid pills or what? I mean, I don't. Uh, I think so. Sometimes. Sometimes it sure it sure sort of seems that way. I don't. Uh, we're, we're, so, so so talk me out of my. It seems to me that the first two three games they don't mind anybody uh, getting upsets. It's almost kind of sexy, but then once they zero in, every 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 call goes to the chalk after like the you get down to like sixteen. It seems like they don't want any more upsets after that. Yeah, and especially with Duke, and especially with uh, <laughs> all the teams that were, uh, what was it, Tech? Duke was it Duke uh, Texas Tech? Yeah, and then and then Duke uh, Arkansas. Yeah, they were, I think, heavy Duke, but the, Duke's a better team anyway. So yeah, they, they they played well. They played real well. North Carolina is a little bit of a surprise, but they they always seem to have the talent. And uh, but then all of a sudden they're playing well. Uh, uh, the guys from, uh, it's interesting how matchups make such a huge difference. I mean, St. Pete's played Purdue, and Purdue had the two big guys in the middle, which most teams would have a big problem with. But St. Pete's doesn't really do much in the middle, so they didn't even really care. Their, their stuff is on the perimeter, and they got two or three really good perimeter guys. And all of a sudden they play North Carolina, they have two guys that are 6'6", that are really good at perimeter defense, and they can't do anything. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting just that we, how you, the matchups are, amaz- are amazing in basketball, probably more than any other game. The Kansas Miami uh, game that was the they kind of I think Self was putting in uh, Martin sporadically, but the more Martin uh, matchup I thought was pretty good. Yeah, well he he had, you know Miami uh, didn't have quite the horses at Kansas, and uh, you certainly can tell in the second half sometimes. You know the guys just start to. Pull away a little bit just physically. Very competitive. Yeah, I mean, you saw on display Miami playing their best, and then at half, it just seems like they retooled, or Kansas did, and came out, and it it never took their foot off the gas. Well, they also once you start pounding in the threes, the other guys start missing theirs. You you can go from being a lot to a little ahead. That's one. That's the one. Really horrible things about threes. It's it's uh, you're either all in or not. I mean, you can you can be, you can be down six, try and catch up, wing up three bad threes, and all of a sudden you're down you know fifteen, and you're not coming back. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, Kansas really <laughs> took off, and then I don't know if they panicked, but Miami or maybe Larinaga gave them the green light to start you know shooting perimeter, but it it w- didn't look pretty. No. Uh, the same thing happened actually in the game before. I think it was Kansas Providence where. The first half, you know, was pretty even. Uh, both teams, Kansas looked better, but I don't think it was a big difference at the half. And then, second half, Kansas came out, made those adjustments, and you know, it wasn't the same team. So, you know, I have a uh, Kansas. an odd question. I, I, I you know, somehow or another, somebody started me up on this core digest, and I and I get addicted to it for some reason because there's all kinds of questions in there you never even knew there were questions. You read, I read all the answers on military and everything else is it you see all these coaches even the guy from uh uh vandy who always used to have the you know the really really good looking suit and tie and now he doesn't Ooh, jay wright yeah jay wright definitely uh villanova's coach jay wright is known for his i think for st- italian designer suits 
<laughs> yeah, but he doesn't wear them anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Well, you, you know, you know why now? I, I, I didn't hear. I had no idea until I got this thing from Cora. So they had a guy in That's there right. and said, "Is is it is it le- illegal for or is it against the rules for a coach to wear a tie? They have to whatever the whatever they're wearing has to have a Nike emblem on it. Every coach, every game." So how much does, does the NCAA care about slave labor in China? Nothing. <laughs> no, they. What the? This got a decent contract with Nike. Yeah, well, well if you got money. What's the difference? <laughs> what the? Can you, you know, as a guy who knows more about the futures than me uh, and, and, and the listeners, I think most of them. Um, how do all these world markets tie into each other, Greg? I mean. Uh, and there's a big question. I'll, I'll give you an example because I'm trying. I'm trying to get to the uh, the world wheat markets and so forth. But I, I, I had a, have a we we have a client that all of a sudden he had some kind of idea that when they took uh, uh, what's the real heavy grade oil they call it bunker oil that the ships use and all that kind of stuff and now all of a sudden you're not supposed to use it any anywhere near somebody's shore and that kind of thing. It's 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 like grade five oil maybe or something and ships used in some of the schools I was in when I was a janitor used it. The uh, so the guy wanted to buy some here because I guess it's still a runoff from some of the refineries, and he wanted to sell it over in uh, in China, which they don't care what they burn over there evidently. And uh, and uh, he's so I was looking around. I, I couldn't believe as I started digging into how many. Futures contracts there are on oil all around the world. There's got to be way more than ten. There might be twenty. I mean, we, we're we familiar with West Texas Intermediate and we're in Brent. Brent is the world market, and West Texas is here. But there's there's a there's number four grade in Rotterdam, and I mean they're all over the place. How, how oh, do yeah. how do those all tie together? I mean, if if, if all of a sudden the the grade four in Rotterdam goes flying up, how does somebody sell that and buy something else and, and there's got to be a conversion from some refinery one to the other. I mean, how do they, I mean, how, how the hell is somebody, uh, I mean, who's in that market? Just the one guy who wants to fill up a ship with bunker and, uh, and, the, and the one refinery that makes it? I mean, is, is those things like, do they trade twice a day? I mean, you and I wouldn't be in that, would we? Or would any speculator? Uh, with enough money, you probably could be. I'm not sure that whoever trades them is going to be you know, the spreads are going to be wide as hell. But when you want to hedge something, uh, especially when you're in different countries, you, the transportation costs, and it's even though it looks like giant spreads, I would I would definitely double check the math because you can get you can get caught on storage, you can get caught on uh, transportation, you can get caught in customs, you can get caught all sorts of different ways. Uh, not to mention quality. So. How long it takes to refine, and you got to store it while you make those. It's it's uh, very tricky, and I would say lawyers are more <laughs> are more uh, apt to make great trades in that than than just regular people because there's so much back back end. All right, so let's get back to how how do how do the world soybean? You're, you're a, an expert at the soybean crush, right? Or yeah, I trade the bean crush, bean spreads, the grains at the board of trade. So how does how does the world soybean market? Because obviously everybody you know grows it to some extent. How does all that interface with 
the Board of Trade? Do they have their own places and there's delivery there and then there's a spread between one and the other? I mean, it obviously be way out of whack. Somebody, I suppose, could grab 10 containers of soybeans from Argentina and bring them up here, but it, that would be... Oh, a, yeah, that definitely happens. And depending, one of the things with uh, when Trump started announcing tariffs and such, uh, there was, you know, where, where are we going to get the beans or where are they going to get them or how are we going to sell them? And, you know, sometimes you have to run them through Argentina or different things that happen uh, based, again, on, on laws and transportation costs and storage costs. So the food is grown, at least soybeans, I want to say, the majority of production is in Brazil and here. Uh, Argentina's third, probably. So, But far and away, Brazil and here, we have the most. And where it goes, you know, we export, uh, I want to say we export three-quarters of what Brazil does in terms of size, but it goes all over the place, and it's mostly on ships and and, now, yeah. most of this is all, I mean, you don't really have, I mean, when I was uh, young, when uh, Pullman had the patent on covered hopper cars. So when you, when you, when you had a, obviously you can't have your, you can ship coal and just have the coal uncovered. Nobody cares if it rains on the coal, right? But obviously you don't want stuff raining and mice getting in your, uh, your soybeans, right? So, no. So the, no, so the car. Very really strict standards. Yeah, so the car w- w- went by with the three, the three bins in the top with the big metal door was on, was closed. That was called a covered hopper car. And Pullman had the patent on that forever. And, uh, and I don't even see those anymore. I mean, now it's containers, right? Uh, I think they're specialized containers for those types. A lot of the grain that ships, uh, ends up in China for, you know, whatever reason. They just need it. Even though they grow a lot themselves. But, uh, we, we end up shipping a whole bunch uh, overseas, and it has to stay at a certain moisture and uh, temperature on the way there. Well, even your, didn't the, uh, when you had a, a corn full, or a, a railroad car full of corn, isn't there a way when you when you check it, isn't there a specific tool that you jam in the, in the, in the four corners and in the middle? And then you, you you know you let the corn out on the table and you can see what grade it is and the moisture content and how much of it's crawling away from you, right? Uh, <laughs> and yeah. you, can, you can essentially grade everything, right? I mean, in a, I, I think that's done mostly before it gets loaded, but um, they do the sampling. You know, wherever you, the more money you got, the more you can, you know, pull it and, and test and do all sorts of uh, measurements. In, in general, the exchange will get it to you in, with a certain, in beans, for example, uh, specs. So those contract specs are luckily all very predictable for everybody. All right, so when, when, when soybeans come out of the ground here in Illinois, the, where, where does the crush take place, overseas or here? or well, the crush? Explain the crush. Okay, so the crush, if you wanted to picture it, uh, take a soybean, put it on the table, and then smash it with a hammer, and it's a crush. Uh, that's Very easy simplified. enough. But you get two products out of that crush. One is the bean oil, and one is the bean meal. Uh, bean meal is animal feed. Soybean oil is a whole bunch of things, including salad dressing. So essentially, you want to sell those two products for more than you paid for the beans. Now, does so anybody eat the? Uh, does anybody? Oh, actually, I know. 
I know one lady who ate the beans. The mo- and does anybody eat the beans? I guess is the question. I do, I'll tell you the story about the one who does. But um, yeah, but I mean, most of it goes to crush. Okay. Ninety percent or so, I think, is crushed. There was a bartender up at the Buckingham who was beautiful girl, pleasant as all get out from, of course, from California. That would uh, was always into the uh, the health stuff, right? She was didn't have an ounce of extra fat on her, but she was always doing like the cleanses and stuff. And uh, so she would bring in the all these guys are drinking away, right? And she'd bring in a big bowl of soybeans. Now you guys should start drinking these soybeans; they're really, really good for you. you. Guys are just because it was her. They didn't want to say no. The guys are munching on these soybeans. Going, God, these things are awful. <laughs> but you know, when somebody when somebody's as pleasant as her, look like her, you ate a few soybeans. What, you know, what can I tell you? But, yeah. the, but basically, no, no. nobody eats. I mean, nobody has like you don't boil soybeans and have them for dinner, do you? Yeah, I don't think those are so popular. No, so it's, so it's it's kind of useless on its own, other than other for salad dressing and for chicken and chicken feed, basically, right? So uh, you gotta, I think ninety percent or maybe more. You have to check with the USDA about that. But a whole a whole majority of the beans are crushed and used for things like the animal feed and, and the soybean oil. So, Plus, it's it's probably easier to ship the meal and the oil than it is the beans, or I guess it doesn't matter, huh? They're all pretty well, easy to ship. Well, in general, you would sell it to uh, someone around the farm, and then they would crush it, you know, nearby. And then there's, say, a railroad grain, grain car or something that goes directly into the crushing plants. They load the meal via say say you like dropped it through a door. Okay. So the the trains roll there and then they've got it sitting up above and they just drop it into the car. And then you've got your eleven or the, your oh, I forgot how many short tons of uh meal. So basically everything's everything's basically kind of railroad car, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so how does uh We'll, we'll one up here. We'll, we'll try and tie this into Ukraine. If there's a a short in, uh, well, I can't believe how many people. In the, there's got to be less people planting wheat than normal over there since they're getting shot at pretty much, right? Uh, well, based at the prices, this, <laughs> they're they're uh, they've run the prices up to you know forty or fifty percent more than they were just a few weeks ago. So, where where would a, a normal Ukraine wheat farmer that far away basically? He's selling his to somebody local and just doing the best he can, right? I mean, he's he's not about the trade and the board of trade, that, that guy. So wheat and corn are their big things there, um, and they use a lot internally. Okay. So I want to say um, China imports the most corn, so they might send some there. But uh, the EU is is a big producer of especially wheat and they 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 need it now in Russia and Ukraine so they've limited all exports including the fertilizer which we buy here which has been another you know uh, push up on the crop prices on well so so corn costs. is the corn you see when you drive down the road is is basically I use the term from my grandfather that's horse corn that's feed corn correct virtually all of it I, I believe so yes and if, the, and if a farmer has some sweet corn, he's got like three or four rows that you got to go pick by hand, right? Pretty right. much. 
So right. most of the stuff, if you're driving down a highway and you see mile after mile of corn, that's feed corn. Yeah, in Illinois and Indiana, I believe. Yeah, and so uh, so that gets, all of a sudden you get all the little, the little pellets of corn and off you go and you send that to uh, wherever. But wheat is pretty much the only one that is it's got to be 90% people con- consumption, right? And wheat, I mean, I guess you could feed chickens and stuff wheat, but you don't normally do it. Wheat is more like bread and crackers, and a lot of it goes to, like, uh, yeah, bread and pastries. And then you got bar- barley and oats, which are there, but they're smaller, correct? Yeah, yeah. And oats could be animal or people, mostly animal. I'm thinking most of the stuff that we trade here um, is is probably the cakes pastry style, um, cakes, cookies, pastries, stuff like yeah, that kind of stuff is going to be here. And then maybe Kansas City, the wheat that they trade there is going to be uh, rolls and bread and general all-purpose flour. So there's there's different grades, obviously. Yeah, that's why you get this hard and soft based on the protein content. Okay. So the harder, I believe, the more protein. So the people, softer, which is so anybody, uh, if, if you're in the European Union, and obviously Germany, all these people grow a lot of wheat, do they have their own exchanges over there, or do they use the ones here, or is, and is there a hedge between the two? Uh, I haven't heard of it, but that doesn't mean anything. So but we've got so much to do here that I haven't explored that one, but I can tell you that the European Union um, the European Union and Russia have more wheat than we do. Okay. So if you combine those two, I mean it's more than double than what we do here. Is there is there's winter wheat or summer wheat or you don't know? There? Yeah. I believe they're supposed to, they should be planting right now, so. Well, I mean, winter the winter wheat is, is, is planted when? Like October, and then it's ready to go in the spring? Uh, winter wheat starts planting probably July. Okay. Spring wheat, we start uh, March, April, or April, May. Right, so you, you cut down the winter wheat, you harvest it, and then you plant the other stuff. You, you can get two in a, in a field, right? Uh, yeah, and depending on their crop rotations, you depending on, you know, the soil and, and what you want to do, and if you're trying to increase fertility, maybe rotate some other stuff in there. So what uh, what is all this news from Ukraine done to, like, your markets? If you're trading the crush, you, is it moving around like you've never seen it, or has it been pretty steady? Well, we started even before kind of that, and our premiums, the crush premium has been, I'd say, double of what we're used to. So all right, what's, cr- what's the crush premium? What's the crush What's the crush premium? Ninety cents for a bushel of soybeans. You know, now it's trading a dollar fifty, and then in the front, you know, we're at a dollar ninety. So, so you're talking about when the, I say front, I mean the most uh, forward con- or the closest contracts to us right now. Well, so if there's a, an issue over some other place that normally, just to, I'll give a real, we don't have much time, but I'll give you a brief. Every one of the months is kind of a different. A different crop, right? And then there's then there's like mixed crops. So how does yeah? So when when somebody we're future, we're dealing with the futures. So you know we can already trade um, wheat 
or corn or whatever uh, that's in September, you know, and into December. So if a uh, Brazil or somebody has a problem, it's liable to cause a problem in quite in like the September future, for instance, and it would cause the <clears throat> the July September spread to go wacky, correct? Oh, definitely, because these are they're different crops. So when you put when you put uh, something on in March and then uh, September, I mean, these are different seasons. <laughs> so there's no guarantee that, you know, spreads come in if you get bad weather or if you get, uh, say, a shortage of fertilizer. Like right now, you could be stuck in some pretty bad positions. Hey, uh, we've got less than 30 seconds. Who's your pick for the, the number one team here? I picked Purdue to win. I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, but now you're back in. You got four left. Oh, I got four left. Yeah. Who do you who do you like out of the four? I got to say Kansas. And just demolish Miami. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning with those guys too. Although any one of these games is going to be good. It's funny how Bill Self was in hot water at the beginning of the season. No, not so much. Yeah. What did? Why did he ever leave Illinois? What was What was that all about? I'm not positive. I know. Uh, I know there were solid. Solid uh, bunch of Illinois fans there, though, this weekend with their Illinois gear on cheering for South. So, oh, good. Know. Well, have a nice week, but I'll see you probably later in the week. SP Futures now up 8, and NASA Futures up 28. Be right back, Mr. John Flanning, with some very interesting stuff today. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Jackson. I'm Tom Holmes, Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures. Let me get my stuff up here. I'm reading about Kevin says it's not all Nike on the, uh, on the, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but, uh, that the people have to wear because Mike Bray's wearing one Under Armour because Under Armour is Notre Dame. Um, still nobody's in a suit and tie, which is kind of weird. SP Futures up nine now. NASDAQ is up 31. Dow Futures up 47. I guess I'd be better off not in a suit and tie anyway, man. Nobody wears a suit and tie anymore, do they? Not unless it's a Nike tie. Yeah, not unless it's a Nike tie. Maybe Adidas got in it too. Maybe they're yeah. interested. interest. DAX up 294. That's 2%. FTSE up 51. Uh, that's 0.7. Evidently, the, uh, the, the president of Utah said he would, he might accept a neutrality thing or something. So now we're, we're, we're okay with this. Kek around up 123, 1.9%. Forget all the people that are dead. I, I don't know about that necessarily, but Anike down 205.7%. Shanghai up two. Call that flat. Hang Seng up 280. That's 1.3%. Um, Tuan, whatever Mai Tuan is, jumps more than 11% in uh, Asia trading. So they've got stacks over there that are all over the place. This is a way of review. The Dow was up 153 on Friday. S&P up 22. NASDAQ was down 22. So mostly up, but a little mixed. Uh, bonds. Down two basis points to 2.47. They're blown up two basis points to almost 0. 0.6, 0. 0.597. Long way from the negative it was for years and years. Uh, Japan up one basis point to 20, 0.26. Again, as high as we've seen there in like a really long time. Uh, but everybody's all over with the, the five-year and ten-year treasury yields uh, inverting. But we're going to go through that in a second with Mr. Flanagan. Uh, oil up down 561, 108.29. Brent down 5. 115.19, natural gas down 5 cents, 5.52. Again, this is, I think a lot of this has to do with this Ukrainian president's announcement. Gold down 22 bucks, 19.31. Silver down 43 cents, 25.18. Copper down a penny to 4.68. We've got Bitcoin up 2,500 to 47,000. Wow, 374. It's the highest it's been in like a real long time. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's currently 7.36 a.m. on March 28th, 2022. First, let's get you into sports real quick. Uh, last night in the NBA, the Suns took down the Philadelphia 76ers 114-104. to Well, tonight, the Bulls go head-to-head against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And uh, bigger news, though, in the NCAA, NCAA tournament, uh, Kansas beats Miami 76-50, to and the North Carolina takes down St. Peter's 69-49. Uh, Both uh, move forward to the Final Four set for Saturday, April 2nd. And now the weather currently in Chicago, uh, we thought winter was over, but apparently it's come back uh, out of the blue. 25 degrees currently, uh, clear skies, high of 31 and a low of 25 
Phoenix, I envy you. It's partly cloudy, 68 degrees, high of 82, and a low of 62. I'm going there for this vacation. Uh, recent accident for traffic on the, on the Eisenhower. Uh, eastbound on the Eisenhower, uh, Laramie and exit 24 at Wolf Road, going to Harlem. Uh, that's causing a center lane blockage. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy from Harlem to Foster Avenue. There's a slowdown westbound on the Dan Ryan from East 115th Street to East 103rd Avenue. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore uh, from Balbo to East Jackson Drive. Traffic northbound on Stevenson from Illinois Route 171 to Cicero Avenue. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Um, where are you going on vacation? When? <laughs> uh, hopefully soon. I mean, not 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 today, not tomorrow, but I'm hoping this summer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you definitely want to go to uh, Arizona in the summertime. It's beautiful there. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I've been there in the summer. It's hotter than the hinges of hell. Ooh. I cannot. No, I actually. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm thinking about it now. When summer doesn't sound great for Phoenix. Maybe. No. Maybe winter. Uh, actually, spring's probably the best. But mm. it's nice no matter what. Well, when winter's when it's winter here, you want to be anywhere else. So. Exactly. Mr. Flanagan, how are you? Tom, I'm good. How about you? Doing all right. We have all kinds of stuff to talk about today. Uh, yeah. With with with, uh, with you. Um, first of all, the finally the Fed came out with their balance sheet numbers. Now, despite what they're saying about, you know, cutting back on all this stuff, uh, we're up from, uh, in the last two weeks, we're up $52 billion on the balance sheet. Back to a new record. We're up at 8962, so we're gonna be well over nine, it looks like, by the time they do anything. Um, so, the constant saying one thing and doing another continues to perpetuate itself, uh, which is somewhat interesting. And I'm looking here at the yield curve, by the way, and, this is the yield curve for three on three twenty five from Friday, March twenty fifth. Uh, I'm sure it's out again today, but we have a little bit of an inversion, but really not that much. I mean, it's I wouldn't call this a. It, it's nothing like the back in the eighties. The inversion was the near term. I think was like fourteen or fifteen, and when you went out thirty years, it was like ten or twelve. You know, that was a huge inversion. This is. It's when you say the inversion, the way the curves are supposed to be, when you when you when you look at risk, if you look at it with a common sense, which you know generally is not the way you trade, but uh, if you look at it with a common sense point of view, the longer out you lend somebody some money, the more risk there is involved. So you want a higher rate, right, Jen? Right. So um, today we have the the near term, the ninety days. Let me get the top headings here because uh, this is this the one month. Is point one seven, so it's still pretty pretty friggin' low. The uh, two month is point three two, which is uh, sort of in keeping with the Fed saying they're going to be raising rates a little bit. The three month is point five five five, and all, and all the way out to uh, thirty years, which is two point six zero. Okay, but in in there, instead of it going, I mean, they're making way too much of this. Okay. It's 0 0.17, 0 0.32, 0 0.55, 101, 167, 230. Now, 230, I'm out to, uh, where am I? Three year. 251, 255, 256. Now, here's the one everybody's having a, a coronary about. The, uh, the 10 year is a little lower than the 7 year, 2.48. Then the 20 year is back up to 274. And the 30 year is 2.6 versus 274. They are so close, out so far, I would not have a baby about these things, and yet people are having a baby about them today for, oh, God, it's inverted. Well, it's, it's inverted just by, it's not like the two-month is 10%, and 
and a 30-year is 7%. It's, it's nothing like that sort of an inversion. So even though you'll hear people clacking about it all day long today, because when somebody says something, everybody's got to say it the whole day, um, it's, I'm saying it's not even newsworthy at this point, John, but it, that would just be me. Is it just a case of nerves, do you think, Tom, that these people are so worried that they look at any kind of statistical imbalance and see trouble on the horizon? Or can, can they not absorb shocks like this that are not really shocks at all as they would in better times? Well, the, 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 the major trader every one of these months is the Fed. So, th- so there is no... Right. Professor Goodhart, or, who came on the show once, and one of these days probably trying to get him back... Goodhart's rule is once something becomes a target, it ceases to be of any use as an index. Because, you know, you're going to target the index. I mean, it just means that the Fed happened to buy a few, a few too many of the, of the tenure than the, than the 20. It was all, I, 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 they control the whole curve, but it's not like, I mean, the, the thing that's curious is why the one year, which is, uh, let's see, 1.67, why anybody would lend anybody any money in 1.67? The inflation rate's nine or ten. I mean, it's you know it's unconscionable to me, but but that but so why is it down there? Because the Fed keeps buying these things, and if you try and get in the way, you're going to run over because they've got the steamroller and you don't. Just saying. Um. Anyway, so that's uh, I mean, I guess that's item number one. But John, you were talking about. Um, well, two things we were talking about over the weekend. One is the people leaving Illinois, and the other is um, census data you were talking about. By the way, I couldn't make head or tail of that stuff you sent me yesterday, but... Uh, well, those maps, the 1950 Yeah, I mean... Uh, you got to blow them up because they're, you know, they're packed with little little squibby lines and stuff, but they do blow up pretty well. They're, they're high-resolution images. Well, just this, just as I... Doesn't have anything to do with stocks today or jacks today, but it's it's fascinating. You're saying that the the census uh, census data is is held back for 72 years. The, the personal data, which is the names, relationships, incomes, employment status, and all sorts of other sometimes very nosy questions that the census taker would ask people in the 10-year census. And that information, as opposed to just raw data, you know, numbers, um, grades of, of income, you know, without personalizing any of it, um, the, the personalized stuff is uh, secure for 72 years. So the 1950 census will be open and available for inspection this coming Friday, 72 years after it was taken. Whereas the data, you know, the number crunching that, that, that produced um, has always been available just as raw data. I had uh, somehow or another in my in my Irish side. Uh, I don't know much about because everybody, everybody died young. Um, I was able to find years ago, John, that the the gang lived on Forty Ninth Street somewhere before they moved to Fiftieth Street. I, uh, where, where would I where would I have gotten that information? Is that from the city? Could be could be property records if they owned something. Um, you know, any of the stuff you have to pour through the track books down in the basement of the county building. But if you if you know the general area, um, you can usually find you know names of people who you know you've heard about or you know people you're related to, and they'll appear in there as you know lenders, even if they're short term lenders. Um, and that that kind of gives you an, an anchor of where these people. I, I was able to find it. I don't was it maybe I just was using the. The white well, it could be all the old directories too. You know, the microfilms, the, the 
phone directories and it was on the it was on the it was on the internet somewhere. I mean, I would have remembered tricking my behind over to the library. I didn't do that. It was on the internet I'll someplace. Do, I'll do a seminar sometime for you at Sachs and Jackson Chicago Research of <laughs> Genealogical and Property because it's a, it's a fascination I have with it. But uh, it is pretty in, intriguing. And if you're interested in family history or you know with ties to public records, there's a, there's a wealth of information out there for you. Yeah, I mean, I got this on the internet somehow, when, you know, years ago, but, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, stuff is, is digitized, and you can find it through searches. So if you, if you put in, like, a street name where you think somebody lived, and a full name of the person in quotation marks, and search it as a phrase, you'll be amazed. It's, you know, tax assessment lists, some directories that have just ended up being digitized, not part of a larger database, um, yearbooks, all this, you know, strange stuff that people have put online, and it comes up in Google searches. Really? Well, it's, uh... That's interesting. What now? Um, now, this information, you know, what, what, it, it's it's stored. I mean, how, how much? I got I got this thing. Where I, actually, I just threw it out because I never filled it out. Uh, there was this thing the city of Chicago sent out that was a uh, a health thing. They they, they had sent out the survey. They wanted to know about the health of the population, but it was like twelve pages of pretty in, invasive kind of questions. Of course, I never answered them. But I did answer the one from the. What's the thing the census sent out? It was about a year before I actually got the census thing, which I sent that out too. But it had to be twelve pages, John, of all kinds. Yeah. of what yeah, is they're that? always doing stuff like that, you know, in all years, not just in the the, the ten year. You know, it's not tied really to the ten year census at all, but it's, it's data that they are amassing all the time, and you know, they then have you know a benchmark with the ten years census data that you know that involves a canvassing of you know, the entire population, whereas these other ones are more targeted, and they tend to be you know, intrusive by most people's standards. Yeah, they were pretty intrusive. I, mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know why I did it, but I did. Yeah, I think I got one, too, and I, I, and I, don't, I don't know if I got it this last census cycle or the one before, but I, re- I did fill it out. Um, I'm going to say three it, years it ago. used you know, in, in crunching yeah. numbers to, to determine what's happening between these 10-year data points that we have with the, with the decennial census. I mean, it was... Uh, you know, have you at any time in the last year had, you know, a brother-in-law sleep on a sofa a week at a time? Or something? It was, right. You know, it had yeah, to do I mean, it, yeah. very, like, private living arrangements, yeah, yeah. you know, relationships and marriages and you know, all this stuff that, you know, is, is important for data collection, but the people being asked these questions are made pretty uncomfortable by them. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I could see where they were somewhat legit. I mean, my, you know, I, I don't know what you'd do with it, but I mean, my, when, you know, my, back in the day when my mom grew up, I mean, my grandmother always had one of her brothers from Columbus stay in her place because the jobs were better and made more money here in Chicago. I mean, I, I oh, was, sure, I was, and some people just you know had you know rooms or borders, or some of it was family, extended family. But you'd, you'd live in the places where there were jobs, and sometimes of the year there weren't jobs there, they'd go somewhere else. And this was a cyclical thing that went on for decades. Is it is it legal of a border? I mean, according to the city, I mean, obviously you don't know, but. Well, you know, if you're holding yourself out as a landlord and and ch- charging rent, and you, then you've got all sorts of obligations as far as providing heat and you know, you know safe accommodations. If it's an informal thing, and you have extended family, as long as you know your building is, is code, and even that is you know difficult to ascertain sometimes. But you, you, nobody's really going to say too much to you. There, there's there are limits on the number of people you can safely have in a in property given the zoning you know, limitations for square footage and so on. 
um, and you know, safety features, smoke alarms, all this stuff. You know, you, you're not supposed to have stuff that violates those things. But other than that, you know, informal arrangements. Um, even the, the IRS started making accommodations for this several years ago, and there, there were, you know, you could you, your status could have somebody living with you as a person of the opposite or the same sex sharing same living quarters, which you know implied almost anything. Well, it was yeah. romantic or business or family. It wasn't, it wasn't particularly important which of those it was, but it was sort of a non-traditional thing. And the IRS sort of gave you an, an opportunity to record your status that way, too. Um, so by and large, I think you, you're, you're fairly free, you know, to have people... Wouldn't they go after the place. guys on... Uh, if you ever used to uh, drive... Oh, drive. If you ever, ever... I used to travel around more. I used to fly southwest... And you'd, you'd fly in at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and uh, I always parked across the street because it was cheaper. So I'd trundle over there, and uh, and all of a sudden you see some little, you know, they all had the young stewardesses at the time, and uh, I don't know now, I'm sure obviously the airline's older, but when they first started, God, every 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 flight attendant seemed like she was 24 and blonde. I mean, it was, they'd all be singing. Remember they used to sing to you? <laughs> I don't think they do that anymore. But they you see somebody hot footing out of there, and they're walking up. Down a street, or was it 59th Street, and, and up the block, and there'd be a guy with a bungalow that has rented the bungalow out to, you know, six tourists. They all had a twin bed, and when they were in town, they'd crash there instead of having to go to the hotel. And they, then, uh, I don't think anybody had a problem with any of that. I was always worried about somebody's getting mugged, but I don't, I don't think they ever did, or if they did, it was never reported. And all of a sudden, the city came, you know, they must have heard about it, and they were all outraged. These guys are essentially having a, Hotel at the you know under in their house or something, but I don't think it was. Uh, I think it was four or five girls that all you know they knew who they were. It wasn't like anybody could show up, but they were all over those guys for a while, weren't they? Oh yeah, and, and there's always been you know possibilities for abuse with this. So you know, you know you got clusters of of workers who are here with or without you know supporting documentation, and they they've got arrangements with landlords to take advantage of them, and they they sleep in shifts. You know, you got three people. Yeah share in the same bed at different times of the day and they're all given over a portion of their income whether they're cleaning ladies or landscapers or whatever else i see it in my own neighborhood here i have no idea who lives in this place from from day to day but i know there's a lot more people than there are accommodations for in there and some of it gets reported and some of it gets echoed on but most of it doesn't seem to and uh, you, you, you got to believe that there's tremendous money being made here, but there's also tremendous abuse and advantage being taken to people who don't have <laughs> any other options, really. Um, and they, they take what they can get, and they live in, in often what we would consider unacceptable conditions. You know, it used to be, too, like school teachers would live in a, you know, a town where they taught for a couple months you know, the year yeah. when the schools were in session, and they'd have, have a room in somebody's house, and they were generally very quiet, dignified people. They didn't cause trouble. They weren't throwing wild parties. And then in the summer when they didn't teach, they'd you know, give up that place and go somewhere else and stay with family. Or well, the, ca- the congressmen do that. Come back and find another room to rent the next year. And that was still fairly common even when I was a kid. There were people who had rooms and houses. They had no family connection to these people. But they had income, and they needed a place nearby where they were. They didn't have a car. So, yeah, it was... I don't know. I mean, I, I suspect there's a lot more of that, but it, it's now more institutionalized, and you got networks of people benefiting from it, but it, it's still there. Well, Matt, before uh, before your day, before there was a Matt Byrne... Mm-hmm. Um, you can't imagine the time. Yeah, I can't imagine the time. The uh, <laughs> I read something the other the other, uh, the other day, John, it's pretty interesting. 
Anybody who's ten years older than you is old. Oh, <laughs> no matter what age you are. No matter what age you are. Anyway, Matt, before there was a, uh, uh, a, a, a whatever a rapid transit down the Kennedy, there was, before there was a blue line that went all the way to O'Hare. The uh, there was a bus, a continental bus service, used to leave downtown to Palmer House, and then it would go to the uh, Ambassador East and West up on uh, just north of uh, Division. Mm. So. A lot of the stewardesses at the time used to live in One East Scott, and my girlfriend at the time lived there. And they were there would be nothing but studios, and there'd be two ladies in there at a time because they were always on the road and they were pretty much hot bunking. And the, tell you what, the odds of a guy like you up at the pool at, at the roof of One East Scott in the summertime were pretty good, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say you, you'd be up there to be two guys and thirty very attractive stewardesses, and you're sitting there going. God, I just died with the heaven here. What, what just happened? Well, the, don't tell me now, because now I'm kind of... Well, the out. bus doesn't run anymore, and now everybody takes the train. This was a swinging city back then, yeah. Tommy. Well, let's put this way. It was a swinging three or four blocks, because anybody yeah, was yeah. single, you lived in that one area, because you were, you were right by... You happened on the Allen Carkland Division, or the subway, and you were at work in four minutes... If you want to go here, you went over to the bus and you went to here. So, yeah, in terms of transportation, it was like no other way. It was the best ever, right, John? Right, and it was it wasn't accidental that you had the bar scene along Division Street oh, right. that you used to too. So, I still remember one of the greatest lines. One guy, he uh, well, he's this accounting guy, and it's, so he he thought he was Robert Redford. But he kind of looked like Woody Allen. Um, so he, <laughs> but he had a great scene. He'd go out early and try and pick somebody up. This is, this is before AIDS, right? So things were a little looser. And, uh, like a lot looser. And he would go out early, and then if, if the first girl didn't work out so well, he'd still have time to go back out like at 11 or 12 and get somebody who was already plastered on somebody. Double shift. He used to call it go, go ugly early. <laughs> you have a chance to go ugly after. Anyway, it was a bizarre situation. But, Jan, what, uh, we'll talk, we'll open it up before the break here, but then we'll, it's kind of a big topic because it's all over Chicago politics, it's all over Illinois politics, but what, uh, what have you been reading about the, the 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 drop in population in a state like Illinois? I mean, where did you those numbers you sent me? One hundred and twenty thousand people left Illinois, and only five thousand people moved in. Five only five thousand people moved in. Yeah, I I find that credible, Tom. And yeah, I, it just it's just sort of a gut feeling I have um, because the the writing has been on the wall for a while for people. And if, if you have any kind of resilience or you got opportunities or chance of opportunities elsewhere, I, I think, you know, it's been, you know, kind of the way to, to go about it. You get out of the places that don't seem to have their act together, and you, it's better to take a chance on a place that seems to have some kind of planning ahead of them. But what was startling to me in those numbers, Tom, was it was, you know, over 300,000 people left the New York City metro area, which helped. <laughs> How many cities do you add together to right, get that right, population alone? Right, well, let's, let's back up for a second. The Chicago area essentially stretches from, is it all Illinois? stretches from Chicago to Naperville? Well, in the northeast corner, yeah. I mean, the population districts, you know, the, another one is Peoria, you know, Springfield is kind of looped in together, and then you have the St. Louis and Edwardsville and all, all that part, which are... Sort of, you know, they have different bases and centers of operation. I guess my and airports and everything else. Well, my lame question is: Do we, do we extend in Indiana, or is it strictly Illinois? Does it just go west? I think it would be parts of, of Indiana too. It has to be like Hammond and well, lighting. I, I, and I don't find it hard to believe at all 
the hundred thousand people that left. This is between uh, um, what are the two dates? Between twenty and twenty-one, right? Late, late yeah. twenty, late twenty. Yeah, this is after you know the, the the period starting like six months after the lockdowns began up until last summer. But I, I, uh, I mean, I've read about you know the the eighty thousand African American people that have left, which is what's causing the the massive uh, pro- fight in the city council about the ward boundaries. Uh, for whatever reason, the black aldermen, even though they're losing, pa- they're losing. Black people are moving out, and the way these wards are, I mean, obviously, the black wards have black aldermen, and whatever. Generally, um, so they they think there could be just as many black aldermen don't want to lose their job when there are not as many black people and there's more Hispanic. Well, that, well, that's interesting, but it's it's also pretty ignorant. I mean, I mean duh. I mean, you. I mean, if, if you want to. Make sure you keep your job as the as the Inglewood alderman. You want to have people moving into the ward, not moving out. I mean, I mean anybody can. I think anybody can sort of understand that. John. I mean, I know I realize that these aldermen things are fiefdoms. You never want to give them up. But simple fact is, if you don't have enough people there, you. But anyway, having having said that, how can a place? I mean, as much as you want to, as much as you want to say, you know, bad crap about Chicago. There's got to be how many universities here. When you think about it, and people graduating, getting jobs here, how, how, do, how do only five thousand people stay? And we're not talking about anybody else in the state. We're talking about I mean, if somebody comes and goes to DePaul or comes to the UIC or goes to uh, the one of the law schools here or Northwestern or University of Chicago, how do you how do you not get hired from Google out of University of Chicago or Northwestern and stay here? I mean, only five thousand people. That, that, that's un, that's incredible to me. Well, the brain drain of college graduates from Illinois and other states, too, over the last several decades is a real cause for concern. Tom. And it shows, first of all, that you know, there is a lack of, of hiring possibilities for people with the kind of degrees people are getting. And that's a whole you know, issue for a number of other you know, show episodes so as far as what these people come out of college able to do or qualified to do. Um, but the, the fact is that you know it, we don't have a Silicon Valley kind of attractiveness here. We don't have manufacturing like we used to. We don't have the, the sort of big entities that go after people and can recruit you know the bejesus out of them before anybody else gets them. There's been no concerted effort to, to move on that either that I can see. So you know, U of I, for example, I, I saw you know they were panicking because the number of people that they graduated every year from any of their campuses um, that actually s- stayed in Illinois or put down roots here was shockingly low. I, I suspect it isn't just you know the U of I system; it's private universities too. Unless, unless you have a tie to Chicago, you know, before you came to college, there's a good possibility you're not going to come back here. With, you know, after you graduate. You've got roots elsewhere. You've got opportunities that we don't have. And the, the irony is that all of these you know, private universities like Loyola and DePaul, which were always commuter schools, really, for most of their history, tried to branch out and become national universities. Well, DePaul surely has. we got to go to break here, John. We'll pick this up. SBV is up 11. is up uh, 49. We're sneaking up here. A lot of this has to do with the somewhat conciliatory words out of the president of Ukraine. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. 
That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every Every day, we love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct: cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Mark Bay, Stacks and Jacks. Time to come out. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 8, NASDAQ Futures up 40. We've been sneaking up here ever since the, uh, we were down last night, and then, uh, the Ukrainian president, uh, seemed to lob a little bit of a conciliatory term saying that they wouldn't mind being neutral, uh, which allegedly it, uh, was, was, well, it, on one level people thought that that was what Putin wanted, but, uh, uh I'm not so sure that uh, he's gonna settle for that, but, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, Nobody is in the, in the man's mind, even though everybody thinks they are. They absolutely are not. Uh, John, we've got, uh, we're just talking about, I, we have, God, in, in the city itself, we've got, you Chicago, Northwestern, Loyola, uh, DePaul business schools, law schools. We've got UIC as a business school and a law school, correct? We've got Kent, we've got, who's Northwestern's law school. Yeah, yeah Northwestern. Uh, how, how the hell, out of all those, I was going to say, what would you, in order for this number to be correct, which is pretty friggin' low, what percentage of the of the graduates of the business schools of the top six business schools stay here? Like one or two percent? It looks like that. Yeah. Which you, know, you think incredible. about that, Tom? If you came to a place like UC or whatever, not having connections to it before, I, I could see where you'd really be dazzled by. You know the possibility of life in Chicago, and you would, if at all possible, kind of settle in with some of the buddies you made during grad school and find a, a place to live and a job, and maybe even marry in the meantime or whatever, because you like the atmosphere of the place. It's clear these people aren't liking the atmosphere. 
No, no, I, I yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of the the idea. I mean, if you, I didn't, I don't, never had kids, okay. But if I had three or four kids, and two of them went to Stanford Business School, I would just have this feeling. I'm not seeing them again. I mean, they'll never come back. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to get recruited by people out there. I mean, it, I, mean I guess that somebody here with a a big firm in Chicago would would hop a plane and go to a a business school beer beer function at Stanford, but it's not it's not really easy to do. I mean, it's a lot easier to go to University of Chicago or Northwestern, right? Yep. You know, Lightfoot has, Mayor Lightfoot has identified the, the problem of, of African Americans that are fleeing Chicago in big numbers, and she's working on you know efforts to reverse that outflow. But I just wish she would look at the problem as being bigger than just an African American problem. They can't. They can't. Just you know, and if you've concentrated only on African Americans as as a way of of guaranteeing you know a positive future, you're missing a, a much larger segment of the population that is leaving for reasons she's not even apparently interested in, or talking about, or, or willing to accept responsibility for. So it's it's a bigger problem than she or her cohorts will admit to, and whatever solutions she has are you know I think very limited and targeted. But they're not sufficient to to make a big impact on the future here. Uh, John, it's it's you know it's funny when, when you I I think I can do this because I've been colorblind my whole life, uh, really growing up pretty much in Inglewood. I mean, it's where I, I used to hang all the time because my dad was dead and I used to hang with my grandmother's all the time. She lived there. Maybe were three other white people on the block. It was all black in Inglewood. Um, so a lot of my first friends were black. I mean, so it's not like, but if you don't. If you keep talking past each other, you never get anywhere. And if you only look in the mirror and, and I mean, it seems to me that, you know, I don't know the lady at all, so it's hard for me to criticize, but she looks in the mirror and what's ever good for, for black people is good for other people. And, and to a certain extent she's right, but not totally. I mean, I listened to, uh, um, what's his, what are the, who's got, by the way, are you running for Bobby Rush's seat? Everybody else is. <laughs> You know. I'm waiting to, to get my number in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so they got they got Jesse Jackson's kid on there, and he's running. And of course, he's a, he had a career as a developer. And uh, so Jonathan Jackson is that? Yeah, he's you know we'll, we'll, we'll go figure. I mean, every time the guy wanted to get a permit, he's going to get it easier than somebody else. But uh, anyway, I'm not disparaging. Well, maybe I did a little. Uh, let's just say the, the the road was paved for him, um, right? And. And for somebody who the road has not been paid for, I, I, I recognize it. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just recognizing it. And, and the, and the guy's talking and he's talking okay. It's not like he's a dunderhead. I mean, he's not. Uh, but just the stuff people, people say, Jan, on one side or the other. And what's becoming very easy for, for people in the, uh, you know, African community to talk about. Somehow you 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 got to think through what you say. I mean, I know that you know I, I lie about statistics. I probably was wrong on the Nike thing today. I mean, I, but you know what? That's not important, really. Who cares about that? I mean, I mean it, it, it's it's a little trivet of information. I should have been more accurate. Kevin, of course, corrected me right away. But how many other people on, on radio or TV correct themselves in the same show? I mean, nobody. Uh, but it, I'm listening to him yesterday, and I, you just lob these facts out there and. There is a tension, not not between, well, maybe a little bit, between white and black America and Hispanic America, 
but what what brings on the you know what brings on the tension on the economic side? I mean, I, I would hope nobody would. Well, I know people do because they're, because people always like to think they're better than somebody else. But I would hope people don't disparage somebody just because of the color of their skin. I mean, I hope we're. I would think that most of us are past that. I mean, I would hope. Uh, anyway, but I mean, he he's lobbed some stuff out there about. He, he's talking about how the, uh, um, you know, the the, the this you know, the not enough investment in the Black America, and that the schools have always had. You know, we've we've never paid the teachers properly. I'm going to say, Jan. And over the last, when I was in the schools as a janitor in the, in the early 70s, I'm going to say that the teacher's salary has increases from that day is absolutely outstripped by a wide margin the median salary of the rest of society. I'm going to say I would bet him every dime I have that I'm right and not him. I would agree. I would agree. Not saying they're making a fortune, not saying, but it's not about, you know, what he basically said is the rest of society has basically shortchanged teachers. And I'm going to say any blue-collar worker has not had anywhere near the raises that the teachers have had in the last 40 years. Tom, show me another group of people, union or not, that has a pension plan like the city of Chicago does for its teachers, yeah. for which the teachers pay 1% of their income. Right. I mean, that's, that's been contractual. That's not statutory. But it's been, what's been negotiated. And I, I don't see that changing anytime sooner. You'll have strikes galore. But who has anything like that? And, 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 you know, health care on top of it, too. I, I just think, you know, the, the, they've kind of lost sight on how, how well treated they are, given the average worker who's not getting by. Well, and, so, and, I, and again, Jen, I don't, I don't really. I don't begrudge them. You know, well, I don't begrudge them at all. I, I'm just saying at some point, there's there's payers and there and there and there's people getting paid, and if the people getting paid are making more than the payers, I mean, right. I mean and unfortunately, the teachers get paid whether the students yeah. learn anything or not, or whether they graduate or not. That that isn't part of this performance review at all. So it, you know, you got to question whether a lot of this is money well spent, or if we could couldn't do a well, better job tracking. Well, that's where the what we're paying teachers or administrators or principals or anything else too, because there's there's clearly not a lot to show for all this money that's being thrown at these. Well, people. That, that's therein lies. I mean, it's it's not about. I mean, I, like I say, I, I sure as hell hope it's not about color. Although it it seems to be when some people because it, they generalize. People want to generalize. Well, you can't you can't generalize when it comes to other people. But uh, the I mean Roosevelt when he was in office. Well, not just even when he was running for office, he was vilified by his class because Roosevelt was a upper upper crust guy. Oh, he was a patrician. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was vilified. He was a, he was a traitor to his class. But Roosevelt really felt, and not that he didn't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, everybody does. But for God's sake, look what the guy was handling. Um, he basically said, at the end of the day, if you live in America, there's some sort of social na- safety net. That you're not going to be starving in the street like you would in some other country in the world, and but his his vision of what that was was very limited. But it was, but it was there was some sort of basic social safety net in this country, right? I mean that's what he wanted to do, and he pretty much did it. Uh, social security and a few other things. You know, at some point the elderly is going to get a check to where they can at least live in a crummy place and eat. You know, I mean, right? I mean that was really wasn't much more than that, and uh. And as you go down the line, and, and I think, John, a lot of these social safety nets, I mean, life life is unfair and for, for a real lot of people it really sucks. I mean, 
I mean, there's going to be, I don't, I don't care who it is, what color you are, what, what class you are, there's going to be, you could be the richest guy on earth, and your wife or you could get cancer and die at 25, or 10, or 12. I mean, it, unfortunately, this is not fair, right? And the, the idea is that, um, you know, society has decided we're going to we're going to at least help out people that have been dealt a bad deal, right? And and, and you could, there, there's going to be, you could be white middle class, you could be black, you could be Hispanic, you could be God knows what color, you could be green. And there could be four kids in the family, and the parents are driving home, and an asteroid hits their car, and the parents are dead, and you got four kids that need help. This this happens. It's it's not unfortunately it happens, and it it's not a black problem, it's not a white problem, it's a life problem, right? It's just just the way it is. And now, and and we've we the the U.S. population grudgingly has has decided to have programs for this sort of thing. Okay, now now fast forward to a neighborhood. It could be the South Side. It could be black. It could be Virginia or uh, West Virginia, which last time I checked is white. It could be an Indian. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It could be anywhere. Okay, but all of a sudden now you've got a South Side of Chicago, and you and you've got a you've got a plan designed to take care of the people who get divorced. Somebody can't. That, that there, there's a there's a social safety net. And all of a sudden you got an area where, gee, 80 percent of the people don't have a family. There's just babies all over the damn place. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't exactly what everybody signed up for. Why Why doesn't anybody have a family that's having kids? I mean, what are we doing? It's not like there's not going to be divorces. It's not like there's going to be deaths. In the we, we understand that. But now we have people with eight kids from eight different women. And well, I don't, And then other people are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure I want to pay for all that. There's a problem there that needs to be fixed. I mean, it could be, like I said, it could be in West Virginia, it could be in Arkansas, it could be Illinois. Just take color out of it. People just say, well, wait a minute, I'm not necessarily paying for that. And now we have these education systems. You know, okay, this is Chicago Public Schools. They get, I'm going to say they get 18000 per kid per high school. Now, and, and it looks like a lot of the high schools, combined with the family problems, combined with the poverty problems, combined with all the other problems, the fact is, we're not coming out with kids that look to me like they're, A, can get a job, they can't go to college, doesn't appear to have any kind of a trade, and really can't even speak English when you're ready to get down to it. And God help if you try to tell them to add. And this is not just black people, there's some white people. Or, but And you sit there and go, All right, explain to me exactly if this how this 18000 if it goes to 25000 which you're going to take out of my hide, explain to me how that's the, quote, solution. I mean, John, we got to talk about this stuff. We can't just constantly money. Money from you is a solution for me, no matter where you're at. And, oh, by the way, five years later, it looks like that wasn't the issue. We have to talk about this and get on a plan, I, I think. It's, it's not a question of disliking anybody. It's a question of somehow or another we've got to get a better system here to get the outcomes we want because just throwing more money at it clearly is not working. Or where am I wrong here? Oh no! I, and uh, unfortunately, though, Tommy, you know, if you if you take Lori Lightfoot as an example, her former Inspector General Joe Ferguson, whom she she was fairly close to, I think for a while. Now they parted on, you know, I would say, bad terms. But he, I think, said about the truest thing about Lightfoot that you know, and this is a former friend of hers, um, that she sees everything, everything is an issue of gender and race, everything, and of course. That's it's perfectly plausible that you can have that kind of viewpoint and see things that way, but I don't think it's 
one gender or one race. And it, the problem is about getting all these people on the same page with each other. But if you're constantly looking for inequities based on perceived bias or unfairness throughout history, and you, you target one little piece of something as a way of, of fixing a problem that is much bigger than Lori Lightfoot realizes, you're never going to get anywhere. So it, you, you can't put blinders on and expect to see the big picture. And, and I think all of these, certainly in American big cities, they're all blinded in pretty much the same way. They don't want to address the issues you're talking about, which are much harder than any one mayor could solve anyway, or any city council. But you put blinders on and see it only in the most restricted, hidebound terms, you make it even harder to get people talking about the right solutions. Well, yeah, so, not, you're not going to. And it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, Jan. I don't... I don't uh, the... It, it is nowhere near. I mean, my my mom graduated valedictorian at Inglewood High School. Imagine that. Her first job, she was at a, a dealership, and all I wanted to do was type all day. And she goes, "I hated typing." She goes, "I was smarter than that." I mean, it was it was it was way worse those years than it is now. It's I, I honestly think now there might be some areas where it's still a little bit of an old boy network and all those kinds of things, but every single you know lady who's not a VP somewhere, it's not because she's being trod upon, I don't think. Just like every guy who doesn't make it, it's not because he's being trod upon. I mean, way, you know, way back in the day, uh, my brother, when he did some uh, auditing, I mean, he's been president of PTI for everybody, but he was an auditor, so he went to one place and there was a, a lady, and I don't know if she was an assistant secretary, whatever the hell it was, and uh, he goes, the uh, she was in, the, this place was one of the first places they have the very Aggressive pregnancy program, right? Uh, you know, you get this time off and blah, blah, blah. Well, she ends up, she gets there, she gets pregnant. As a kid, well, of course, you know, that's, that's how we all got here, so I'm not disparaging that at all. They gave her, I don't know how many months off, and then the minute she came back, she'd take a vacation, which was like three, four weeks. She ended up having like three or four kids. He said in five years, she was off two years. Okay. We're not talking about working at home, but anyway, we're talking about off-off. I mean, I, how exactly does she get the same amount as, I mean, the same kind of promotion, the same kind of salary increases well, as, you, as you even other lady? You career path on, on another person's career path who isn't having children so frequently or yeah. at all. And, and and expect, you know, well, we're going to make this equitable. We're going to balance this out and, you know, what you were, we're going to restrict? You know, talk about glass ceilings yeah. or, or artificial limits. Um, if, if this is the way you look at the things, and you don't take other factors into consideration about you know, maybe there is equity in this that we just don't want to admit, or that there's fairness here that no, nobody wants to see the downside of. But I just find it incredible that people just look past all this stuff and now just want to start you know tweaking salaries based solely on. You know, gender numbers or, or you know, age numbers or whatever, and expect well, now we've got a fair result and everything will be just fine from now on. Like, that is, that's, you're creating more trouble than you're solving. We well, also favor in a big firm more than you are in a small firm. You know, if a, if a small firm has a, you know, whatever, a, uh, you know, it could be male or female, a receptionist, and all of a sudden they had granted a month off for whatever it was. Mental this, baby this. Who, well, okay, it means you have another one backup. Well, we don't have a backup. <laughs> hey, you're you're supposed to be here. That's what we have you for, right? I mean, it's I, you know whatever. It gets crazy, Jam. But unless 
unless we're talking, we're never we're never going to fix anything. We just keep winging more and more money at it, and the people who actually are deserving never get the money, do they? Nope. And, and just to sort of segue to take a little abrupt turn here, but talking about Chicago real estate, you know, loop properties, and Chicago, you know, is downtown as a magnet for shoppers or tourists or workers. God help us, you know. I just don't see anybody, certainly not Lightfoot, you know, nobody in the city council either, really looking at what's facing them square in the eye. That, that we've got a downtown area that, you know, however these problems were overlooked in the past, then you add a lockdown to it and you drive a lot of businesses out of business or drive them away from downtown because there's no reason to have a huge you know, chunk of office space somewhere where, where people don't want to go anyway. We've got now major buildings downtown that are, some of them are old, some of them are not so old, that are in default, and they're, they're being handed back to the lenders. And the reason that, that this happens is because they didn't have enough income you know, coming in to service their debt. And all it takes is the loss of one tenant, like Bank of America, you know, which had the, the, the lion's share of the property at 135 South LaSalle Street, the field building. They dumped that, moved to their own tower over on Wacker Drive, and now there's a, a chunk of empty space in the field building, and the field building can't perform on its debt. And the, the, the problem is, and this is why the, the value of that property has been reduced by two-thirds in the last year, is because where are you going to find a single tenant or many tenants to fill that hole that Bank of America created when they left? That's just not going to happen. And until somebody you know, in City Hall or the county building or somewhere says, we got a real problem here. If we don't do something fast, um, we're going to have a, a chunk of unusable property downtown that's deteriorating, and we'll just have to be demolished. But it will, in the meantime, it won't be generating tax revenue well, Jan, it's, or uh, business or anything else. One of my uh, my group that I meet with uh, one night a week, a uh, bunch of judges and attorneys, it's a nice group. Uh, you learn a lot about the city. In fact, I might want to introduce you to that group. But then again, you... You know the, the retired lawyer. You know, there's a couple of those guys there. <laughs> there's no more bitter yeah. segment of the population. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an interesting group. Uh, but it, one of the guys has moved. One of the good friends of mine has just moved his law firm from downtown here. He was actually in a Monadnock building to the West Loop. And uh, you know, just the comments people are making. I mean, I know it sounds that people listen like I talk all the time, which I do talk too much probably. But when the rest of the time I am listening. And sometimes you have to use your ears, right? And uh, and you listen to what the people say that have moved to the West Loop. If you really, you know, zero in on it, it is brutal. It really is brutal. And it comes into question, you know, the, uh, well, even though we, had, we did add some Burlington Northern trains this week, which is a good thing. comes into question this whole point about infrastructure and, like, what are we doing? Virtually every compliment people give the West Loop, especially is despair. How can I put this in English like you could, Jen? There's no homeless people over there. Uh, there's no real. I guess you can get there by the pink line or something or the green line, which nobody takes. Uh, and they, it's, it has to do with it's become an enclave where people either live there or can drive there. They don't want the quote people that get there by public transportation. It's like it's like downtown was in the late seventies. They don't they don't want the riff and the raff able to get here. 
it's it's become their own area. And one of the guys, uh, my brother just said, he's an iron worker, said he's working on buildings. I go, where? Sure not downtown. He goes, no. There's four buildings going up in the West Loop. He goes, nobody's building downtown. There isn't a crane here at all. I mean, now it's it's because they're essentially moving in the city away from the accessibility that the town hound has to essentially the hoodlums that are coming downtown every weekend and every night. People I don't want to see somebody would would rather have an office, you know, location that's you know a mile or two from the red line and yeah. avoid the possibility of flash mobs or you know shootings. It happened with, with some regularity downtown along the transit line, um, and you, you don't worry about you know, how you're going to get people. To to work there because it's accessible to the people, you know, who have cars or have will Uber or whatever else. And it's not that difficult, more difficult to get downtown to the, than it is to get to the West Loop or vice versa. But we, clearly, you're right. I think they're, they're, they don't want the, the people that would use downtown as a base of operation. They, they, have, they have no interest in sustaining that. They've been burned by it. They can see what it's become. They can see the kind of you know, shock that creates. Nobody seems to be upset about it at City Hall. I don't see any panic in this. Well, the, when um, they, the, I remember, Jan, the, when they first, the, the blue line, for whatever stupid reason, used to stop where? Cumberland, you had to take the uh, bus to here. Yeah. So finally, they said, okay, it's going all the way to here. Well, the first six months, I mean, I'm going back a ways, I mean, before Matt, BM, before Matt, going back a ways that the, uh, when you walked out with your luggage, you just went down to the carousel and grabbed your stuff, and you walked out the door. And nobody checked anything, right? Right. And, but as soon as the the riff and the raff, I'm not saying what color, it could be any color, probably were white because it fit in better. Uh, as soon as they were able to get there, and the, and the for you know eighty cents or whatever it was the time a buck, uh, would would go to O'Hare, walk into the luggage area, and walk out with somebody's bag. The, the, the first six months, the amount of bag theft went through the roof because people were coming in on the train, walking up the luggage where there was no, no, you know, there was no IDs, there was nothing in the luggage area. You, were, you ran through; they wanted it as easy as possible. Grab your bag and you know, blew smoke out. You're behind out the door, right? All of a sudden, guys are coming in and just stealing a bag or two and walking out. They didn't even they didn't even check in those days. And all of a sudden, now the access allowed every every luggage hoodlum in the world to get there. Now, you know, and then the people on the west side here, if you're, I mean, if your daughter's moving to Chicago from some other place, you would much rather have her, now I hate to say this because I'm a Chicago love of my whole life, but you'd much rather her live in one of the new apartment buildings over on Morgan and, and Lake Street, or not, and, uh, Randolph, and with all those bars and restaurants over there are all safe and work a half a block away than you ever would wanting her here riding a green or red line going somewhere. Not even close. Or living in a studio yeah. apartment in the middle of the loop. Yeah. That would be a frightening prospect for any parent. Or South Loop or any of those places. Right. Or, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not just the, the young kids that you know, are put up. By, I mean, the people who, who, you know, had reasons to live downtown and wanted to retire there and be close by to everything. And I think that a lot of these people are, are just thrown up their hands. They've regretted ever doing this because there's no kind of culture or activity to support any kind of a, a lifestyle. You can't go outside at night without risking your life and limb. Um, during the day, there's no street traffic. There's nothing to do. There's no yeah. the, the, the life has just kind of been bled out of the whole area. Well, I mean, somewhere along the line, and I, you know, as you know, other than possibly you, is there a, most, a more nonviolent guy on earth than me? Somebody somewhere is going to have to say, 
hey, look, if you shoot anybody outside of a car on one of our expressways, we got these four cars out there. You guys ever watch, like, the Rat Patrol? Where they got these Jeeps with these 50 caliber machine guns on them? If anybody shoots out of their car, we're just riddling. We're giving you one. We're going to say pull over one time, and if you don't, you know what? We're riddling the place, and we're dropping the bodies off somewhere, and the mothers can say what good boys they all were. I don't care. No, Nobody gets to shoot out of their car of a moving vehicle just at anybody in this city. Nobody doesn't ever. Just, just, just take it in your mind, and if you do it, just, just hope you get home or hope you get to jail without, in one piece. I mean, we, we need to do that, John. We, you can't live like this. Well, this is why they have, you know, President Duterte in the Philippines. <laughs> I hate to say it. I don't want a Duterte in this country, but I can certainly see why there is somebody like that in the Philippines. Well, it's why they're in the, in the, in uh, Singapore. I mean, uh, my. Right. You, yeah. They check your hairline when they get off the airport. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I mean, you, you don't want that, but, but somewhere along the line, people have to be somewhat, if they go out and just mess with other people all day long, they have to have a feeling that their day's not going to end well. Well, you, you got to make the, the criminals more, more afraid of the law enforcement than the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. John, thank you very much. Talk at you later in the week. We'll do. You got a few more buildings downtown you want to talk about? Yeah, too. I got a, a whole list of them. <laughs> and, and, you know, you got to work through how that actually works. I mean, one seventy-five. Obviously, we had a uh, we had we we lived we lived over there. We are, we we were over there for years. PTI and. Went from office to office, and it's the fourth biggest, I think it's still the fourth biggest building in the city, isn't it? Yeah. They, they just kicked it right back to the lenders. Why yeah. don't you? I mean, they, they, they saved themselves some bucks on attorney's fees, but, but they're not going to find a buyer for that thing anytime soon, I don't think. No, and we, well, let's, let's talk about how that all works out. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks, Mr. Mike Hart. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Allen. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures now only up two and a quarter. We were up uh, twelve minutes ago. As the futures up eighteen, still up. We were up a lot more a little while ago. Uh, but we're still, like I said, we're still up. Dow futures down two. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX big move up 272, 1.9%. FTSE up 51.7. CAC around up 104, 1.6. Uh, again, the Ukraine development today is that the president said something to the effect that uh, uh, they could they would explore new, neutrality. I mean, uh, that's been always the story. Uh, at least people think that uh, Putin wants them to be neutral and not part of NATO or something. Uh, who knows if that's really what he wants or not, but they're trying to offer that one, I guess, as a, as a peace pipe here. Uh, who knows if it'll be work or not. You get on 205.7, Shanghai up two, call that flat. Uh, Hang Seng, which has been all over the place, they were down a lot last week. They're up 281.3%. Uh, Friday, we were a little bit mixed, but mostly up. Dow was up 153, S&P up 22, NASDAQ down 22. Uh, bonds, you know, up, well they were up a while ago, now they're not. 2.46 and a 10 year to Bund, uh, 0.57, uh, Japan up one basis point, 0.25. Oil, uh, down 575, 108.15, Brent down 592, 114.73, that's almost a 5% move, so that's a lot. Uh, well West Texas was over 5%, 5.04. Natural gas down 7 cents to 549, Arbob down 14 cents to 332. Uh, gold down 1280, uh, more, it was down more than that a while ago. 1941, silver down 28 cents, 2533. Copper down a penny, 468. Big rally in Bitcoin up 2347,210. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Sunny but cold. Exactly. I mean, it's a really beautiful day overall. It's a really beautiful morning right now. But uh, freezing right now. Below freezing, it's currently 25 degrees right now. But before that, let's get you right into sports. Last night in the NBA, uh, the Suns take down the Philadelphia 76ers, and that was 114-104. to 104. Uh, Tonight, the Bulls go against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, both Kansas and North Carolina move into the Final Four. Uh, Kansas beating Miami, uh, 76 to 50, and North Carolina taking out St. Peter's, 69 to 49. Uh, the Final Four will be this two, Saturday. Two clunk games. Just <laughs> well, hopefully, it won't be two clunk games on Saturday because no. that's April 2nd. That's when the Final Four will take place. But yeah, the weather right now is uh, it. I mean. The, uh, clear skies right now uh, in Chicago. Uh, very beautiful weather, but um, freezing. It's 25 degrees right now uh, and a high of 31 throughout the day, a low of 25. Uh, in Phoenix, 
Entirely different story, uh, partly cloudy, 68 degrees, high of 82, and a low of 62. Uh, currently, the traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road all the way to downtown. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Central Avenue and Displains. Traffic eastbound Kennedy between Ramp and I-290, I-294 North uh, at uh, Lawrence Avenue. Uh, traffic westbound on Kennedy between Lawrence and West Higgins. Traffic eastbound on the Edens between West Division and West Monroe. Traffic westbound on the Edens between 31st and Randolph. And finally, traffic northbound in Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 and South Kedzie. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Mike? Uh, we are trying to call him right okay. now. Okay. Uh, uh, individual stocks, we got Apple down 240, which uh, Amazon up 486. It looks like Tesla uh, is, is up today. There is up another 56 bucks to 1067 as it looks like they're, they're talking on the board of uh, increasing the amount of shares available. Uh, look at the, the amount of shares available and the, uh, uh, so they can have a stock split because now all of a sudden all these companies, it, this is, this is kind of weird, uh, the amount of, uh, back and forth we've had, well, back and forth not recently, but in, in my lifetime regarding these, uh, stocks, uh, prices for stock. I mean, Matt, when I was, uh, your age and in, and in grad school, I would do the, people, people really were into having, they felt that there was a uh, uh, a spot where stocks were the most the most conducive for the the widest share of the population to own them, and they liked stock in the twenty to forty dollar range, maybe fifty. Uh, but, but then again, in those days, if you did a uh, what they used to call an, an on lot, a, a round lot, was always a hundred shares. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if you know this, but. And when and if it, if you did a, an odd lot, say you wanted to buy, if somebody's, you know, somebody's, a family had a baby, somebody's wife had a kid, well they both had a kid, right? Yeah. Uh, the uh, and you wanted to buy, you know, say you want to be in a dividend re- reinvestment program or something, you'd buy, you'd buy uh, fifteen shares or twenty shares in the name of the kid, and then the dividend would they 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 an account at the company. And you'd get more shares, and if you wanted, the parents got more gifts. They could send a check to the company, and they would. You essentially got an account there. But the, the original, the original purchase of less than a hundred shares was called an odd lot, and you paid at the time. Say the IBM was at uh, you know say one eight one sixty to one sixty and a quarter. If you bought a round uh, odd lot, and there were guys that were uh, well, there were companies that were odd lot traders. Mm. So you could buy thirteen shares at. Uh, an eighth over the offer is what you had to pay, and plus the commissions, uh, you might have to pay a little more in commissions. So you know, it's not something you did all the time, but but there were people that would that would do all the tens and twelves and eights, and they'd actually and they'd buy a hundred shares, and they would, and their fee for that essentially was an eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it was, you know, if you bought ten shares, it would be twelve bucks, right? Twelve fifty, and uh, so I mean, it wasn't horrible because. Uh, but I mean that—that's what they did. They were—they were odd lot traders, hmm. and uh, well, now um, you can pretty much buy whatever you want. Uh, now we can go into whether or not it's the brokerage is free. It's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's free to you, but you're paying on the other end. I mean, nothing is free in this world, even though society seems to love the fact that their brokerage is free. When, when then the broker, instead of the job being uh, to get you the best fill you can. The job is to get the most money on the other end. They can't. Okay, so if you're not paying them, if you think for a second that the person who is paying them isn't the benefit of the deal, 
you know, I, I, I got a bridge for you, you know, because people seem to think stuff's free. Well, it's not free. Uh, anyway, j- just saying. So, uh, you know, that, so the, the, I, the, so we went from there to companies v- being very, very comfortable, the Googles of the world, the Amazons, in having, you know, 40, 45% of your shares being owned by institutions where they, people didn't used to like that, the telephone. Wanted every every grandma in the country to own some telephone, mm. and, they, and then it got to the point where you're, you're not going to get my and pot kettle to own Amazon unless you know unless they do have fractional shares. Uh, in, in, because the problem is you can't you can't do any well. Not many people in general do options, but if you do, you really can't hedge without. There's no such thing as a fractional option. It's either 100 shares or nothing, right? So I have one client who has. A hundred and some shares of Amazon, and it's it'd be very difficult to to hedge that. I mean, because uh, you, if you if you even sell a covered call, uh, and then say somebody has one hundred and seventy shares of Amazon, it's not it's not covered because seventy shares doesn't cover an option because an option's a hundred shares. So if and if you want to buy a put for protection, you could buy one or you could buy two. But if you bought two, you're essentially overprotecting, right? It's like paying. It's like it's like. Uh, you know, buying insurance for a car that's it's worth twenty grand when your car is only worth ten, mm. and you don't necessarily want to do that because it's going to cost you more than you should need to pay. Now, if it goes down, you know, I guess you overpaid and it's okay. But but that's not why you buy insurance on stock. You buy insurance on stock because of something unforeseen happening and the stock going down, not because you think it's going down. Because if you thought that, you just sell it, correct? Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 you know, kind of one of those. Chicken in the air. Well, now all of a sudden, I think people felt that if it was in institutional hands, and a lot of institutional hands is also because ETFs. I mean, ETFs own a lot of these stacks. Because if, if you, well, I guess I'll give a definition of how ETFs work here, real quick. Hopefully, Mike will call in. You can try him again at some point. Mm. Um, the uh, how, how an ETF works. If if you buy, well. Not, not 100 shares of spiders, but even even 100 shares. Say about 1,000 shares of spiders. You're buying um, a part of a trust that is kept at State Street Bank uh, that says, okay, we, in our vault, we have all the shares in the S&P 500 in the right ratio, and they're in the vault. So you're actually buying a piece of that vault. So you are actually getting... The physical shares are there for your thousand shares. Now, how this actually works is, if you go to the specialist and, and you buy spiders, the specialist or whoever is, is making a market in the spiders, he goes out and buys all the stocks. He does most of the work, from what I understand. He buys all the stocks in the right ratio, and when he's and when he's short a bunch of spiders and along all the stocks, he dumps the stock to State Street Bank and says, "Give me the spiders and flatten me out." So the mechanism goes that way, which most people could care less how the mechanism works. The bottom line is you're buying. So a lot of Amazon stock is is in the QQQ ETF trust, or it's in the, the, the Spider, I mean the uh, S&P, uh, even the OEX has. But there's all kinds of ETFs that have Amazon or Google that are in it. So they own a lot of it, not to mention your other your institutions like the you know, CalPERS and all these other places. So it's probably, I'm going to say, maybe even more than 50% owned. You can, you can find this out. I just haven't looked lately, but uh, which people were not comfortable with. Well, now 
all of a sudden one company, and Apple's the one who kind of did it before uh, by splitting, all of a sudden now this is becoming something people don't want. They want people to be able to buy the stock. So now you're going to see Amazon is, is splitting uh, 20 for 1. So now all of a sudden, I mean, you, you can't have a $3,200 stock in, in the Dow. Maybe they want to be in the Dow. Okay, so they're, they're, I'm guessing that Amazon, if they do that, will be in the Dow fairly shortly. Okay, so uh, there's reasons, you know, to do that. But it's, it's funny, uh, Matt, how they change. I mean, for a while, everybody wanted, I mean, the most widely held stock in the world was Lucent for a long time after AT&T broke up. Before AT&T broke up, it was AT&T. I mean, mm, if you, yeah. I mean, if you're, I'm sure... You know, Grandpa, Grandpa Byrne, or maybe Great Grandpa Byrne, probably had some AT and T stock if he had any stock at all, because they paid like a six or seven percent dividend. It was like being in a bank, only better. And all of a sudden, they got broken up, and and there were there was for a while uh, essentially a, a we'll call it a fund, but it was and it didn't. You know, I don't know. It was a good idea, but somehow it just fell apart. Not that not that long after this, where somebody was going to put together. Essentially, a basket that kept all the stock. The uh, um, so he, you could end up being in a, in a basket where they were going to keep it, but that that didn't stay for a long time because they all of a sudden started buying each other. Because when telephone broke up, it was uh, you know it was Southern Bell, it was uh, what's the one, what's the one here? It wasn't Illinois Bell, it was something something Ameritech. Uh, so there were there were the little bells, but the uh, you know it was an interesting. Uh, way, but now all of a sudden it's changed the other way, you know, and we'll see how that hangs in there. So now Tesla is never going to get in the Dow at a thousand bucks, and if they they split ten for one, I'm guessing they're in the Dow pretty quickly. They'll boot somebody out because they are at least are an industrial uh, back in the Dow. But the uh, anyway, I mean that's there, there's all kinds of stories to this. But if, if Mike was here, he'd want to talk about the VIX. So let's talk about the VIX a little bit. VIX is actually up today, which is surprising. Uh, it's up a point to 2186, but it's way down from the mid to lower 30s that it was for a while, I'll say a few months ago. And, uh, the reason for that is, is the, the, the volatility in the market is dropping dramatically. We, we were heading south and all of a sudden we weren't. The Fed turned the bus around and I'm going to look at the, I just got the numbers in the Fed balance sheet and I will share them with you. Actually, I mentioned it earlier, but the, uh, the Federal Reserve balance sheet, even though these guys are supposedly down to a, a net even on the Fed balance sheet in the last two weeks. We're, we're, at, we're at a record high in the balance sheet. We're at eight nine six two eight eight trillion nine hundred sixty two. So in the last two weeks, when they're supposed to be raising interest rates, they're up uh, sixty fifty two billion dollars. Now in a month, they were at thirty five, and now they're supposed to be like at net zero. Well, they're a long way from net zero. So I don't necessarily believe, and the market doesn't either, and that's why the market, one of the reasons why I think the market has run back up the last couple of weeks. Carl, what's up, man, on a Monday? Carl, are you there? Looks like Carl left us early. Well, he's, he's, he'll be calm. Well, he'll, he'll find his way back. If I can, even though we have him for a short time, i ask what he thinks about this uh, Ukrainian development. Uh, he probably knows what Carl, are you there? You're, what's up, man? Well, you know, you got me as I was uh, going to get a coffee, so it's all good. Oh, so you have no coffee yet? Don't be dozing on us. Well, no, I, I had a coffee. I just needed another coffee. Oh, all right. Uh, we, we had to track you down because uh, 
Uh, what 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 do you make of the uh, Ukrainian neutrality pitch? Um, you mean exactly the same thing that Putin said had to happen for him not to invade before he invaded? Uh, seems something like that. Uh, it doesn't seem something like that. In fact, the conditions that he put forward here are the same ones he put forward before it started and as he's maintained throughout. So uh, Zelensky now agrees that what Putin originally wanted was reasonable, uh, and and oh by the way, uh, that means that him he that he not not Putin not Russia, Zelensky got a, a whole bunch of his own people killed and an awful lot of his own stuff blown up for absolutely nothing. Uh, do you think that there was ever? I think there's more than neutrality. I think Putin wanted some territory. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. What Putin, what Putin said was Crimea is ours, Donbas and and Lutansk maybe, um, but that area is is go, is demilitarized and a free association. And the reason is is that the Ukraine military, the Azov brigades, have been intermittently shelling the people there for the last eight years. Okay, that's going to stop. And because, oh, by the way, uh, most of those people consider themselves Russian and speak Russian. Okay, so basically it's, it's essentially you're bombing our people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're going to cut that out. And, and, oh, by the way, you're going to demilitarize and, and be neutral, and there's, you know, there's no more of this NATO talk. Those, those were the conditions. I don't, uh, not so sure that I would ever demilitarize totally with that guy living next to me. Well, you know, the, the, I guess I guess there's, you know, you could you can argue that both ways. I the there there was some screaming coming out of out of Ukraine over the weekend um, that essentially we're responsible the west. We're responsible for all of this because uh, after Ukraine agreed to give up their nuclear weapons, uh, we didn't prevent, you know, any sort of uh, territorial incursion. Um, of course, what they're forgetting about is that, uh, you know, the, the port at Crimea has been Russian for longer than the United States has existed. And, oh, by the way, Russia bought it, just like we did with the Louisiana Purchase. So our, trying to argue that somehow that, you know, wasn't Russian territory is ludicrous. And that's what started all of this. And then, of course, the you know the color revolution, which people call color revolution in 2014, it really wasn't. It was a shooting war. Um, uh, that was you know, and who who instigated all that? I mean, you know, you can go back and forth on on all that stuff. But the um, the, the real issue that that Putin has had since this entire thing is um, no, you're not going to put troops. And military equipment uh, on on directly on the border with Russia. You're not going to do that. Well, but he he reserves the right to do it. Well, okay, but but he up until this started, he hadn't used them. They had. Okay, I have a. I, okay, I mean, when, when you're when when people that identify as as part of your country. They speak your language, and they consider themselves to be Russian, even though they're living across the line on a map somewhere. When you've been shelling them intermittently for eight years, you really can't expect the guys on the other side to take you seriously when you say, well, stop. 
what there's been no there had to be some fight is, is this when you when you say the Ukrainians have been shelling these guys is, is this is this the the Irish versus the Brits where it's really hard to figure out who fired the first shot no because the people that they're shelling are civilians okay so I mean the you know there's there uh, supposedly there's the separatists. Remember when the Malaysian airliner got shot down by a buck missile? Right. That was over, uh, well, it was over that part of the country where it happened. Okay. Okay. This isn't the one. Um, that, this is the one that got shot down. This is the one that we haven't found yet. No, 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 no. no. This one got shot down. This right. this was not the one that disappeared in the Indian Ocean or someplace. Yeah, this one got blown up, and it was very obvious. I mean, there was you know there was wreckage. There, it was very obvious from the the impact pattern that it was a proximity fused anti aircraft weapon that did it. There was only one sort of weapon of that kind in that region at the time. They were buck missiles, and the problem was that both the Ukrainian and the Russian sides had them. So there was this. There's as far as I know, it has never been conclusively settled who fired. One or one or the, yeah, one or the other. It's ugh. yeah. I mean, somebody you know, somebody shot at an, at an airliner. Now, I I don't think anybody shot at the airliner intentionally. Uh, they almost certainly thought that was a legitimate military target in what they were doing, and you know, they shot at it. Um, and and then you know after the button was pushed, it was like, uh oh. <laughs> one of my uh, but, one of our listeners was writing in, and I, I'm kind of happy to hear you on this morning. Is that uh, he goes the idea that uh, Putin can pretty much do whatever he wants because he's got nuclear weapons, and nobody really is is everybody's sort of afraid to stop him. He, he's making the the uh, the uh, that that's why. Nobody wants Iran to get a, a nuclear weapon because then would they be free to do everything for fear that they were going to drop a bomb on somebody? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a pleasant fantasy that uh, you know that that's Putin's motivation. Gee, uh, there seem to be an awful lot of uh, we we the nations who have those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, we 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 did decide. Uh, when Madame Albright was uh, was running the show in state, that uh, this this one particular little conflict with ethnic Albanians, which was from her heritage, was important. And another one down in Rwanda, where the two groups that were slaughtering each other, one of them that got the, the very much got the worst end of the stick, um, was was not to be tampered with and was to be left alone. And one can reasonably ask whether or not the reason for that was that one group of people that were doing the slaughtering of each other were white and the other was black. Yeah. How many how many wars, Carl, would you actually say are going on in the world right now? Is it less than ten? More? Than- you know, it depends on how you define war. I mean, it, it, there's it, one of the things that's kind of interesting about the the modern period is that historically speaking. The people in Europe seem to develop enough bloodlust to try to kill one another about every twenty or thirty years. Yeah, it seems and pretty regular, doesn't it? We have we have had an extraordinary, you know, roughly eighty year period where, short of some dust ups in you know in the Baltics and things like this, um, there hasn't been a large scale event like that. Uh, they used to be referred to in colleges, and it's, that was a long time ago. 
So you're saying it's been a long. They used to refer to that as Pax Americana. Yeah, I mean it's a you know that's uh, there. There really has been a shift um, since World War II in terms of the uh, you know the lack of frequency of people deciding to do this kind of thing. I mean it's it, it, it really is uh, from the standpoint of human history. It's quite extraordinary. Well, you know it's as much as uh, I mean I think you hell you've known me long enough now to know that there's really not anybody who criticizes what's going on in this country more than I do, but I hope it's always towards the the, the drive that I don't want to see us basically bleeping up because I don't see I see us as the, as still to this day the beacon and hope for the world. I really do. I mean, I think the reason why there hasn't been a big blow up is because we were powerful enough, and we don't do that to people. I mean, we've had our own screw ups in Vietnam and other places, but but by and large. We don't say we got more missiles than you do. Guess what, England? You're ours tomorrow. We don't do that, I and mean, we never have. I, mean, I won't say never, but uh, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with that, that we're around. I really believe that. Yeah, I think there's a. I, I think there's some of that. I think the 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 other part of it, though, is that, and then this is sort of the evil part of it, is that. We have found other ways to exert the same sort of influence that historically has come at the point of a bayonet. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what I honestly thought. I'm, I'm, I'm monopolizing too much, but that's why I thought Trump really had had no sense of history when he started talking about us paying a bigger share of NATO than we should have, or a bigger share of Japanese defense than we should have. Kind of, we wanted to do that. We didn't want those guys. To, to all of a sudden be as powerful as they were before, we were willing to, to pay the freight to not have to fight another war. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah, or? and and, and uh, I agree with you. I think that he, uh, you know, he made the he put that out there as a talking point, essentially. But the other, but the other side of it is that um, we. So there's there's this common thought in economics and in geopolitics that autarky is a bad thing that you, you you really don't want it as a country you don't want to be entirely independent of everyone else you don't want to be able to survive and, and be okay and thrive on your own and and the reason is and, and this is something that you know was drilled into my head whenever i heard a lecture on this sort of thing was that if you're trading with people you won't shoot them and and I'm not so sure that that's necessarily true. And secondly, I'm not so sure that that sometimes um, shooting people is preferable to being ground into the dirt under the premise of well, you know, if you don't trade with us, you're going to starve. I, I, there's there's a point at which I think shooting shooting is maybe preferable to you know to dying of starvation. So I'm not so sure that this is necessarily a, a positive development. I understand the argument. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm not as clear on one being preferable to the other. Well, let's kick this around on Friday because that, that's essentially why Milton Friedman loved Chicago. He was helping Allende in Chile, thinking that economic if you can get economic freedom, political freedom follows. I, and let's talk about that on Friday because I don't think that necessarily is true. It surely doesn't happen in, Friday, in China. You, you bet. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think we agree more than disagree on that one. Well, I mean, it's just. I mean, you you would think it would, but. Uh, I think he totally underestimated the ability of some of these countries to keep their foot in everybody's throat, right? I mean, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. 
All right, SP Futures down three and a quarter, NASDAQ Futures up two. Carl, thank you for bailing in this morning. Talk to you on Friday at our regular time. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines.